Okay, here we go. The Pen and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio dial. The Pen Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. Ah, yes. What is the pungent aroma down here in the studio? Has, has somebody been smoking weed? Oh, the dog. Is that what it is? The dog has been. <laughs> the dog, I've never been to a house where the dog smokes weed. That's so cool. Uh, we are here for episode 29, and I want to thank uh, Joe Fish, our, our one, one of our wonderful sponsors, and uh, My Grandma's Coffee Cake, another one of our wonderful sponsors. I'd also like to thank Smitty for being here, and of course, Ben. Hi, Ben. You're welcome. Thanks, Mikey. And we have a special guest today. He's a really good guy, and I've known this guy for quite a while, and he's done many things, and many of them are more interesting and entertaining than anything else we could talk about. That's for goddamn sure. Chris Myers here with us. Hi, Chris. Hey, Michael. Hey, what's with the nickname Mud? I mean, when did that come about? Well, could, could How I come just, they call could, you could Mud? I step back a little bit for sure. a minute? Go right ahead. I just have to say to the audience that I, where we are right now, I don't know if I'm in Nirvana the studio? Heaven. Valhalla. Valhalla's good. You or got... Shangri-La. <laughs> you because go when Valhalla. I go out to a place and I can't see a sidewalk or a tall building, I get nervous. See that? Yeah. But this place is, again, Shangri-La. Hey, you're on Pelham Thank Island. You. you know, we're, this is the rockinest studio and in I have America. A, I have a couple quick trivia questions for you. I I'm ready. I like them. Yeah, I always do that. Since it's uh, the 29th <laughs> episode. Yep. Who wore the number 29, two famous sports figures? Uh, Keith Folk. Mm. <laughs> I threw that out there. Mm. Is he still yeah. alive? Is that even yes. true? <laughs> yes. Is that even true? Is he still alive? 29. Rod Carew. Was he? Wasn't he? <laughs> I only this is know, the worst you know, game of trivia. <laughs> I just thought Satchel Paige. Yeah, okay. Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson, right. Not Greg Dickerson. No. Eric. Yeah. Uh, Greg might have wore it also. Is he know. still around? <laughs> He's still around, too. They're both still alive. Um, Chris Meyer is a <laughs> he's a movie guy. He's uh, For those of you that don't know, let me just give you a quick Adult education. film star. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I make your, adult movies. Wasn't your stage name Tony the Hook Perez? No, the crank. <laughs> or the hammer. Tony the hammer. Chris Meyer worked with the, the Farrelly brothers for many years. He's been doing films for, since he was a younger man. And I want to say that uh, he's a very, very uh, accomplished as a producer, as a, an executive producer, as an associate producer, a producer. You're a reproducer, too. Yeah. I produce. You produced uh, yeah. apples and way, oranges. How is that beautiful daughter of yours? Ooh. Maisie. I can't talk about that. Why not? Too private. All right. No, but little Maisie's incredible. She's changed awesome. my life. Still does every day. Doesn't it happen when you have that baby, especially a baby girl? You like she owns you. Oh yeah, she she's got you. me. She's a beautiful. She's got kid. me wrapped around her finger. She, and forever, that'll that'll never that'll never change. No, none of that will change. Could I jump in real quick again? Yeah, of course. I gave up four tickets center ice tonight for you. Oh. Wow, that's not easy to do, Michael. But the game's tomorrow. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no wonder those tickets were so cheap. <laughs> Uh, Chris Meyer, who they call Mud. Why do they call you Mud? Who call, who came up with that? Um, <laughs> high school, or actually grammar Actually, it was in I think in high school at BC, BC High, BC yeah. High. You're a double eagle. I don't know what that means, but yes. Okay, let me explain it to you. You you went you were you're an eagle at BC High yes. and an eagle at BC 
Boston College. Correct. So it's a double eagle. I just yeah. talked to Jerry York the other day. He's yeah. a double eagle. Yeah, too. he is a double eagle. Yeah. Yeah. And is uh, is Steve Diossi? Triple, triple, triple eagles. Uh, no, Steve Diossi, I believe. I think he's from out this part. Or Nate, no, Natick. Uh, no, he's from like West Rock. Yeah, he's from West, West Rock. He went. Yeah. I think he went to Catholic Memorial. Okay, I might be wrong, but I think he went to Catholic. Uh, Memorial. Didn't do him any good. He went to my rival high school. <laughs> uh, Chris Meyer has been a. Uh, a he went to Don Bosco, I believe. Don Did Bosco, he? yeah, right. which right. doesn't exist anymore, sadly. No, and poor Mrs. Bosco. <laughs> uh, Chris Meyer's been involved in so many great movies. Let me just start from the beginning because the Farrelly brothers did a couple of movies of note before you joined them, right? Correct. One of them would have been Kingpin. Dumb and Dumber. I came Dumb in loosely on Kingpin. You did. And then went full-time with them on Something About Mary. Something about, which was such an unbelievably f- fabulous movie. What a way to start a career. How did you oh, get into so the your business? It's interesting because when I talk to the kids at film schools or wherever, I tell everybody I was Malcolm Butler. <laughs> I came from nowhere out of a little community. Oh, I thought you punched the director's son or something. <laughs> no, oh, is that what he thrown did? off the oh, team. Oh, no, not, <laughs> no, we're not going back to the Super Bowl, but initially when he caught the interception to finish the game, yeah. I, 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 we won the Super Bowl of films that year. It was incredible as a rookie. And that year, by the way, I tell a lot of folks, and it's dating us a little bit, but in 1998, something about Mary came out. Yeah. Goodwill Hunting and L.A. Confidential. Not All Massachusetts year. filmmakers. Mm, right. Quite a year. Not Critically acclaimed year. and box office smashes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the uh, Something About Mary thing, so you were at that time a, a associate? You were a, an assistant? To uh, yeah, I was in, so I started as an assistant to the, to the directors, meaning Peter and Bobby. Yeah. And then as I moved up the ladder, you become associate producer, co-producer, producer. Now I'm their partner on, on various projects. Stuff, yeah. Now, Peter was the older brother yes. by a couple years. Uh, yes. And Bobby, a couple, a couple years apart, I guess? A uh, year. Uh, and they, did they come out of Rhode Island? Yeah, they they're, they were born and raised in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Right, right. Yeah. How'd you get linked up with them? I'm, a lot of folks think I met them here, but um, they were already living in Los Angeles. So when I moved out there, I was actually bouncing at a local uh, lounge. <laughs> you badass. And, 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 well, I ran out of money and I needed, desperately <laughs> needed a job. And uh, I love music and all these guys I play basketball with said, hey, yeah. Uh, we should go to this new club up the street. It's a new blues club. I said, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I ran out of money and I was walking around Santa Monica, which, uh, with my resume, which there was very little of. <laughs> it was a and, short, yeah, short card. I alphabetized the largest Barnes and Noble at the time from A through F. And I said, you know what? I don't think this is for me. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I bumped into the gentleman, Todd Christensen, who's now to this day, a friend and partner and a couple other, um, the tight end. Yeah. Close. Cause he gets that a lot. He's a big Oakland fan too, but, uh, um, uh, I bumped into him at a hot dog stand And he said, Chris, imagine if we never met at that hot dog stand he, I said, I desperately need a job, I'll do anything He said, I need a bouncer I'm like, oh my god You know, I'm in a, I'm in a foreign land Yeah, I'm an expat you know? Right and, uh, and a new bouncer Yeah, and I, I thought quickly Usually <laughs> blues clubs are a little older crowd A little more tame So I said, I'll do it And then I started bouncing And then worked my way into bartending And bar backing and all that And then the Farrelly brothers would go in there all the time so you, that's, that's how you met him in a, well, you were working at a bar. Yeah, I was working at a bar. Oh, that's an unbelievable uh, entree. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Now I was I, trying I to met, get in I the met business. Ben at a hot dog stand. That's how I met Ben. He was trying to make both ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did that I'm go? On a, though? I'm on a roll. <laughs> how, oh Christ! Uh, we'll catch up on all this later. Okay, go ahead. Get I'm it. Sorry. 
Get it out of your system. Yeah, Keep sorry. going with the puns. No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it go from you bartending to all of a sudden you being their assistant? Yeah. Well, uh, um, they like the drinks. I, no, no. I, yeah, well, they like the drinks, and we just hit it off coming from the same part of town and had the same sense right. of humor. Yeah. And at the time, I was getting close to packing it in. You were? Yeah, yeah I was. I was. I was... I had done everything I could to try to get in the business. You know, I just showed up, you know, going to make movies, ma. Right. You know, and so you were on your last kind of like, you, you weren't, you were almost going to walk away from the yes, whole prospect. I was. Wow. And then, uh, good timing. It was incredible. So I, I told, I hadn't been home in a couple of years and that was really tough for me. And I was close to both my grandparents and, and they both passed within like a month. And I was home within a month. I hadn't been home in two years. And then within a month, I'm home twice. And my mom says, you know, what, what are you doing out there? I said, you know, mom. You're right. It's time to, yeah. Everyone back here is getting, you know, getting out of law school, getting their MBAs, buying houses. Their lives are growing, and I'm, you know, bouncing people out of bar rooms, you know. Right. And and, and uh, I said, you know what? I'll give it six more months. So I went back to Todd and the bar, the bar owner, and I said, hey man, I, this has been great, but I, I need to, I, I need to start living again, you know, and, and I got to take a break. And because uh, I'd been working there six days a week, I was working a day job. I was PAing, being you know, I was pr- being a production assistant in yep. some jobs, and it wasn't steady enough. Still working the bar. probably didn't pay a hell of a lot either. No, no, I uh-huh. think I was making three eighty a week. Um, I you know I took that home, living in L.A. Right, right. And uh, I told uh, <laughs> this, this is so I told Todd, I said, hey man, I I appreciate the job, but I, I need to go home. And uh, I think he whispered to the Fairley brothers, Pete and Bob, that I was going home. So I got a call out of the blue. I mean, keep in mind, there's no cell phones then. Or internet. So you had to be a home phone answering machine. Yes, I had. A, I picked up the at my apartment. I picked up the phone and I said, "Chris, it's Pete and Bob." I said, "What? what, said, what are you doing?" <laughs> I said, "What's that? A fucking joke?" I said, "I'm curled up in the fetal position in the closet, watching the light bulb burn. I'm down eighty pounds. I'm about to move. <laughs> and it's in a, Tuesday. I'm about to move into my truck, and I don't know if I should pull the trigger or hurl myself off the building." Right. I said, "I told the loan guy I died. I had no more credit." I have nothing. I have my flip flops and a towel. When do we leave? Wait, but you told the lone guy you died. Yeah. Did he believe you yes. when you were talking yeah. to him? I could have said, "Hey, I'm Mikey Adams. Yeah. I'm his roommate." That's what I did. I said, "You don't sound dead." No, yeah. He, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him in six months. <laughs> and uh, they said, "Hey, you want to come work with us?" I said, "Absolutely." Do they need work. a uh, bartender for John Dennis on Kingpin? Uh, no, I was over by then. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I, I did with John then because I did a little. We had a little cameo in in in, uh, in Kingpin, and then. Um, they said, we'd love for you to be our assistant. So I said, when do we leave? And then, you know, the rest That's is history. great. We and that was, that was along the time of something about Mary was, yeah. was being done? Yes. So now, we, we start pre-production. We have... No, it's, sorry. No, it's an no, interesting uh, note. Uh, John Stewart, I, from what I remember correctly, auditioned for that, for the role of Ben Stiller. Really? Yeah. And also... Um, I forget. Jennifer Lawrence. Not Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Coolidge, who plays Stiffler's mom. Back in the day, oh. too. It wouldn't have been the same. Now I can't. I can't look back on it and think of it without without Ben Stiller in that in that part yeah. or Cameron you know, Diaz. You, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's when you cast movies, it's funny because sometimes the folks you want on are available, or things happen, and then the folks that end up there are the ones that should be there. You know, no matter how they get there. Ben Stiller. Where the hell did it go? Thank you. What is that? Hmm? 
on your ear. No, your left ear. Is that... Is that a hair gel? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I can use No, 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 don't, don't, you don't have to. You don't... You don't. <laughs> I just ran out. <laughs> <laughs> One of the classic moments, obviously. That set precedent at that time for any movie like that. And when I was a rookie, I was in the... I was in the truck with the with the guys when they had to get it passed by the MPAA. Really? And I because it was how, spunk. Yes, you could not do that today, right? And today's <laughs> no, uh, day that was and twenty age years ago, right? Yes. That's beautiful. Now it's definitely now, the keep best. Keep in mind when you're having props done. Yeah. You have to check and make sure it's the right color and vis- texture. Is it viscosity and viscousness? <laughs> and and yeah, you know it's it's a pretty uh, well. Yeah, I had some experience uh, cleaning movie theater seats. So That's what I, I mean. No, I no, you'd, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the the other the other thing is what your movies or your movies. Yeah, they're yours too. Uh, always had people of local interest for people who were local, like the kind of neighborhood guys you'd bring in. Right. In fact, the, the one of the scenes from Something About Mary, which no one will ever forget, is Lenny and Steve Sweeney and the you know. We got a bleeder. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's yeah. that's it. But the way you pull those guys in, and you, you look at the the cast <laughs> uh, credit, the credits on all these films, yeah, you say, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. It makes it more fun for people yeah. who are from New England or Boston. Uh, well, we also know all these guys. They're friends, right? right. We know right. how funny they are, and that's a great scene to have that dynamic duo. And yeah, two of Boston's founding fathers of comedy. You know. It's a, I still love the line. You know, how do you get the Franks above the beans? I, I, you know, <laughs> how do you get the Franks above the beans? It's truly a classic, and uh, and it's and it's that's it's one of those movies you can watch uh, repetitively and not and not get sick. If I had known you, then you would have been in the uh, rest stop area scene. I think I I think yeah, I might have been waiting yeah. there for someone to notice you, me. You, you might have been there. I didn't know. <laughs> I, that's all I needed. Sheila, honey, uh, you got to come here. You got you, you got to see this. What? What? Don't come in here. Don't, don't. Don't worry. She's a dental hygienist. She'll know exactly what to do. Hi, Ted. Hi, Mrs. Jensen. How are you? You okay? Yeah. Holy shit! Charlie could have warned me. What exactly are we uh, looking at here? Um, What do you mean? What? uh, I mean, um, is it the... um, Is it the Frank or the Beans? Uh, I, I, I I don't know. It looks like I think it's a little bit of both. Break some veins! Break some veins! Uh, what's that bubble there? What do you think? It's a. Well, how the hell did you get the beans above the frag? I mean, you, 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 I, I don't know. It wasn't like it was a well thought out plan. <laughs> uh, there's something about Mary. Uh, Chris Meyer is our guest, and uh, Mutt, and uh, Christopher W. Meyer, is that something you is that was that going to be a stage name or is that your actual name? Yeah, that's that's the one uh, Ruth Ruth gave me. That's the one Ruth gave me. My uh, you know my mom. Oh, okay. So that that's your that's on your birth certificate. So, yeah, because uh, it appears in the credits. Uh, but you never told me about mud. How that happened? <laughs> well, typically, if I've had a few drinks, I'll tell you the real colorful story. It's almost like John Candy and Stripes. Remember when he's the lean mean fighting machine? Yeah, yeah. And he mud wrestles all the. <laughs> Right. The gals. Something happened. That's if I have had a little too much to drink. But the true story is quite boring. Okay. Yeah. I've got, you know, your vocabulary <laughs> books. Yeah, you don't want the boring story. Well, that's all right. I mean, I just, I, I, I knew, I knew, knew you for years before I even knew that everybody called you Mud. And now, now everybody I, I talk to says you're, most, you're Mud. A lot, most folks don't even know my real name. Really? It's Mr. Mud. Mr. Mud in the, the, mud the, in the movie industry. 
in, in life. Everywhere. In life. <laughs> Especially if you bounced them out here's of a, a bar funny in Santa story. Monica. Here's a funny story with the guys. So, you know, myself and another producer go in and kind of set the table, lay the groundwork when we're going to Fenway, right? And at that time, there were new ownership, right, in 04? And they were, yeah. This is for Fever Pitch? For Fever Pitch, yes. So we go in there a little early. It's the first time, I believe, that there had been a major motion picture there in a while or at all. Yeah. And so everyone was new to the game. Maybe since Field of Dreams, they just did one scene there. Yeah, and it was know. different ownership back then, and yep. right, and all that. Yep. So, uh, you know, we, we then we have the meeting with all the upper brass and everyone that's there. And and and, and Larry Lucchino says, you know, I, Peter and Bobby walk in in flip flops and sh- flip flops and shorts, and Larry says, "Oh, it looks like you guys get dressed up for meetings, huh?" So as they go around the room, they're introducing everyone, and they say, oh, "This is one of our producers. This is Mr. Mud." <laughs> and I just nice. look at everyone. I'm like, "All right." So we just. Let's move along, you know, and as the meeting ends and convenes, we go outside, and as we're walking along, I say, guys, can you, can you, can you wait till the, can you tell them my real name and wait till you, we get to know these guys a couple of weeks and get to know them before you tell them my nickname, and they're like, don't be a pussy. Come back a great name. <laughs> You're Mr. Mudd, whether you yeah, like it or not. Yeah, exactly. So let's just go through some of the list here. And because oh, Marky Post was fantastic. Marky Post. Yes, I want to talk incredible. about her breasts. Well, actually, her her rack. Uh, so you you were I've never forgot them. associate producer, yeah. me myself and Irene, mm-hmm. shallow Hal, stuck on you, fever pitch, yes, on Broadway, the heartbreak kid, lost son of Havana, which we will talk about. Believe me, it's my favorite of all time baseball documentaries. Hall pass. I in the early going, you were you guys were I mean rolling them out. Yes, you were rolling out. We were these... on the road for fifteen years straight. On, on movie after movie after movie, and the guys were incredible and are incredible to work with in four, and they they championed the guys that work with them, and, and and that's why I was able to move up the up the up the ranks. Me, myself, and Irene, uh, which was a story about a split personality yeah. uh, psycho uh, played by Jim Carrey uh, and Renee Zellweger. His, his name should have been Mikey Adams. <laughs> uh, you know what? I thought that myself, and, and so did I. Yeah. I have a split personality too. Uh, uh, Charlie, Charlie uh, I Bailey Gates. Charlie <laughs> Bailey Gates was his name. Now that was uh, a, a, a smash. Now you also had in that movie Anna Kornikova was in that movie. She was. What? And what was it like getting within five feet of her? Because I'm afraid I would have had an issue. She was fantastic. She uh, she runs the show. Yeah. She because does. at the time she came up with um, who was her the, the hockey player? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he high sticked her in the crease. I understand. You know, <laughs> put the, somebody put, told me that put the puck in the net. And uh, <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't Eiserman. What was it? Uh, he got called for boarding. Yeah, no, she was incredible. We had uh, we had everybody in there. Cam Neely was in that. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Brendan Shanahan. Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, he went on to score. You know, he had a thousand scored a few times yeah, himself. A few times and who else? Uh, you know who else was was in that? Who was early in his career? That's had an incredible career since is uh, Anthony Anderson. Yeah, he's on. Uh, he's one of the Sons. Yeah, he plays one of the yeah. Sons. You're right. He was a, he's a great guy with uh, uh, big time. Was the real heavy set. The whole family was great, yeah. And, yeah. and the whole premise of the movie was was tremendous too. You know when he get when he get the fight scenes. I yeah. mean, Jim Carrey was he like uh, a lunatic then? Oh yeah, I mean the guy. I mean he, you know, he's just. As we all know, a comic genius. And, I mean, he's always thinking he's a perfectionist and just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, knock on wood, if if there were ever to be a sequel, the three brothers, like the three black stooges, yeah. were going to go to Harvard right, and right, run, the, run right. the world. Right. You know, Because <laughs> uh, it wasn't an odd plot. 
<laughs> you know, it didn't have any weirdness yeah. to it whatsoever. I mean, you worked with some of the comedic giants in in the uh, in in the industry. Yeah, uh, Shallow How uh, was what Jack Black, Jason yeah. Alexander from the Seinfeld yeah. show, Gwyneth Paltrow, and a brilliant Robbins. comedian, and all that Gwyneth makeup, Paltrow. all that makeup though. I mean. You couldn't just hire, you know, big fat chicks to to do that stuff, or did you? Have I don't stunt know if that's doubles? quite PC in the movie business or in general, but uh, no, we. we I've hired we, a million yeah. of them. You know, you know, they actually, they're, you know, they're method actors. Yes. So if they can't <laughs> they gain are. that much weight and that much time, we help them out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I was wondering about that because that makeup job alone, I mean, for Gwyneth Paltrow, had to be hours. Hours. Yeah. And trooper, was she really great? Yeah. She was good about that, huh? Let's see. Beauty stuck, is in the eyes of the beholder, Mike. Stuck on you, Matt Damon. He was an Academy Award winner. And, and uh, Greg Kinnear, yeah. who was brilliant. Mr. Talk yeah. Soup. Yeah. Yeah. Dave uh, Mendez. Uh, let's see. Fever Pitch. Now, when Fever Pitch rolled around, mm-hmm. it was 2005. You're four. Okay, right. We were making that movie while they were going while on that they were run. doing that. It was, yeah. And we had to rewrite the ending. It was an inc- I mean, <laughs> it's something to tell your grandchildren, right? Yeah. While, we did while we're making the movie, they go on. So I remember, I remember Theo. We were running late one day, and we have to make the day, which means we have to get everything in, right? And we weren't going to get it in unless we stuck around for another, I don't know, maybe forty-five minutes to an hour. And he is seething because he's got games to win. We need to take the field. He doesn't give a shit about us, right? You know, but uh, right. he, he was nice. And uh, another time that. Um, the ground head groundskeeper Dave, um, I forget his last name, but um, was great. But he wouldn't turn the blowers. I mean, the the the, uh, the mowers off. You have to start mowing three and a half hours prior, I believe, to game time. Okay, and that was right in your window. Yes, and we were running late, and we they weren't turning them off. And my job was to help turn off the mowers. And they said, they you know, why are the mowers not? Only one can turn the mowers off is John Henry. Oh, whoa! Ooh. So Seriously? suddenly someone says, "There's John." Drew, can you go see if John will... You know, and John was nice enough to turn off the, the mowers for us for another hour to finish up. So you, so you, uh, you how, owe him. How at the end of the, the movie, obviously they win the World Series, yeah. how did you either get permission or pull it off where Fallon and Drew Barrymore are on the field during the actual celebration? That was just, I think, a lot of luck in timing. Um, what was really lucky was the few games prior to that, We were remember the scene where... Uh, she jumps out of the, the, the bleachers and, yes. and runs past Johnny Dane yeah. and, and yes. he's chasing her and all that. We were try- That was two of the most difficult times ever for us filmmaking because, you know, the rabid fans of Boston Red Sox, we, we, we had to – the Red Sox were nice enough that we, we – they reserved 30 seats for us for, you know, um, season ticket holders, which is not a good thing at that time. Mm-hmm. And we're getting – because they're red. No hot. one cares you're making a movie at that point. Yep. Yeah. Because they're they're going to do this. Yes. Maybe. And we're getting close. So Pete <laughs> and Bob, which was incredible, there, there was there was constant, um, you know, uh, you know, announcements that we're going to do this thing at the end. Please stick around. Blah blah blah. And uh, at the end of that, as soon as Johnny Damon caught the last out, Peter and Bobby went up there and gave this rah rah speech. We're making a movie about this town, about this place about our Red Sox, we need you to stay, this is the end of the movie, blah, blah, blah. And they go to walk off the mound, and Bobby just turns around and says, the Yankees suck. (laughs) (laughs) I thought people were going to rush the field. Soon as the place erupted, (laughs) she drops down, 
It was magic, right? We tried that a week later. They won a three-game losing streak. Yeah. Dud. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nope. You could hear crickets. You could hear a pin drop. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, that worked out uh, nicely, and uh, maybe they should have him there more often uh, yes. in the stands. But it was an amazing experience. Especially this year, yeah. you know, the way they're, the way they're playing. Um, the I, I, I wanted to go into some great detail here on the lost son of now because that was that was your your baby yeah Christmas. and I met Louis during Fever Pitch right yeah. you met Louis during Fever Pitch and and thus you got the idea how did so, the idea come so we, um, we, I, we we met through a mutual friend and he's and my buddy said Chris you know Louis just a little interested and curious in what's going on around here with the movie I said oh yeah I'll go nothing about talking movies and we just went out and just had a not normal conversation. And I fell in love with him because he told me his journey from, you know, beginning to end. Yeah. And uh, I said, I said, Louis, the only way I can really relate to you is by moving to Los Angeles as an, I, I, you know, I spoke the language, but I moved, you know, 3,000 miles from everything I know and love for an if. Right. So not that that's anywhere near what you went through. For 46 years. Yeah, for 46 years. And he said, Chris, I want to go home before I die. He said, my parents are gone. I promised them. And so at that time, I think he was starting to sense his own mortality. Sure. And uh, I said, do you remember your room? You, you know, mean his room like his yeah, bedroom? Yeah. Do you remember house? your neighborhood? Do you remember the smells? Because we all have those memories yeah. of when we were kids and like the, the stair creek or the, you know, it's a wonderful life and the knob, you know, the, the, the banister thing doesn't work. And he said, yeah, I, I remember. And he started talking about it. And I just, it was, you could, the, the kid in him came out, right? Yeah. So, anyways, we, we finished, and I was driving home, and I said, Jesus, that would make an incredible story if we could bring him home. And I thought about it for two weeks, and, you know, I didn't really know him. I thought he might be full of shit or blowing smoke or whatever. And uh, I called him up, and I said, Lou, if I can get you home, can I bring a camera crew? And he said, yes. And that started the journey on us trying to get to Cuba. When I get out of Cuba, I swear that before God, I don't want to come back. This long Castro was there. Then the time go by, go by, go by, and you start wondering, you know, hey, when we're gonna come back, you know? You know, I, I don't get no younger, you know, tomorrow gonna be my 67 year now. And I, at least, that's what I wanna do, see my country before I die. I love Louie. You know, I was there for the premiere, I, I, Fred Lynn, I sitting behind Freddie Lynn and, and Billy and all the guys. It was, it touched everybody in that room so much to see that film because we all thought we knew Louie really, really well. I mean, mm-hmm. I've known him since 87. I played the baseball with the fantasy camp. He's like my hero when he's on the Red Sox in the 70s. A tremendous player and pitcher. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I thought I knew everything about Louis Tiant, but I learned so much from watching Lost Son of Havana because it – it gave depth to every single emotion that did, Louis Tiant felt, felt and the people who love him feel. Did, did you know he had split his scapula? I did not. Most people in New England or in baseball don't know why he, he pitched had that. with a broken scapula. Yes, which is insane. And, and he had to days, switch you, up his windup because he had lost his fastball. Right. But to be able to stay in the game like that, and back then there were no agents. No. He would call up owners and say, Do you need me? Yeah. And to be able to stay that much longer in the game, especially at that time, too, he's older. Right. And what he did, like... Pure guile. He hung on with brains and, and f- finesse right. pitching like his dad used to throw. Mm. 
Speaking of his dad, he had a hundred. What in in uh, in seventy six? He had one hundred and sixty seven pitches, and he didn't, they, they wouldn't take him out. Now, after eighty pitches, they take you out. Yeah, right. Oh, if the, if that, you yeah. know, nobody does a complete. You good. know that Louis completed thirty eight percent of his major league starts. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, the guy that leads the league in complete games has three. He still holds a, uh, a number of rookie records for ERA. Yeah, one point six zero in sixty eight. Yeah, and 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 I forget the others, but you know, he was on a shitty team. He was on the so awful his Cleveland his, Indians. His, his win-loss record is that's. I don't know why that that it just for some reason I think that doesn't allow him in. Well, the stat that you know we talk about complete games now. Louis Tion had forty-nine shutouts, where that's obviously a complete game with no runs for the opposition. Forty-nine shutouts, you know, that's Walter Johnson territory. The fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is a tragedy, and it's ridiculous, and it makes me sick. And I think it's some kind of anti-Cuban uh, thing that still yeah. exists in the major. I don't know. I don't know. The Hall of Fame, a bunch of assholes, because uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And he continues but, to be a gentleman and a class act a and an ambassador for baseball. I, you know, some guys would be a bit, uh, a bit bitter about that. That I guess want everybody listening to this podcast. If you have not seen Lost Son of Havana, download it, rent it, get it. Watch it. If you're a true baseball fan, a true Red Sox fan, it's a must-see. And it was done by Chris Meyer, who's sitting right here in our studio here doing our podcast, episode 29 on the Planet Mikey podcast. I'm going to play cut one, and it's sort of a setup for anybody who hasn't seen it. Yeah. And when the when the film first begins, there's a lot of Louis Tion, what he's doing, how he's pitching. The crowd loves him. Everybody in the world loves him. But then they kind of settle down, and they get into the narration part. This is about a minute long. Listen okay. to this. Let's do it. It was the early days of the Cuban Revolution, and the Cuban Professional Baseball League was a national obsession, even for Fidel Castro. During the winter of 1961, the Rookie of the Year for all of Cuba was a 20-year-old pitcher for Havana named Luis Tiant. That summer, Luis left home for a three-month stint in the Mexican League, where he dreamed that a scout from the United States would discover him. Luis was a sensation. And before long, the Cleveland Indians had signed him to a minor league contract to play in America. But that was also the summer of the invasion at the Bay of Pigs. Cuba and the United States severed relations, and Castro tightened his control over every aspect of Cuban life. Suddenly, no Cuban was free to leave the island. Cubans playing baseball overseas received an ultimatum. Come home and play as amateurs in Cuba, or never come home again. And so, Louis' three-month trip became 46 years of exile. 46 years, Louis was unable to go back to Cuba. That's from the, uh, uh, the film uh, Lost Son of Havana. And Louis, the thing about Louis is that people don't know, didn't know that his dad was a, a major legend in the in the game of baseball, not only in Cuba, but he came and played in the Negro leagues mm-hmm. here in America. And <clears throat> I think the my skinny lefty, my favorite. M- m- He's in the Negro moment Hall of Fame in the history yeah. of any baseball film anywhere. Is when Louis Tion's dad, Louis Senior, comes out to the mound. Louis holds his coat. Louis's dad is wearing brown street shoes. He's on the mound, full distance away from home plate to throw out the first pitch before a game at the end of 1975. And what does he do? Throws a perfect strike to Fisk. 
I believe it was Fisk that mm. caught the pitch. While Louis standing there holding his jacket on the mound at Fenway Park. In street shoes, without warming up, Louis Sr. throws a perfect strike. I said, that is goddamn beautiful. It's a great father-son story. It really is. And he hadn't seen his folks in 14 years. Yep. And then they, they passed away tragically one day apart. Almost on the same day. Yeah. And Louis had to bury both his parents in Milton, day. Massachusetts, yep. I believe. Milton. Uh, and it, it was just the saddest thing ever that, you know, that she wanted to go with him. When he when he died, she said, I'm coming with you. And she then they both died. died. Yeah, broken heart. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. But that Louis Tian story, you know, congratulations to you on that. Oh, it's, you. And you, you, you won awards for that. Cooperstown. Yeah, we got one the, the film uh, festival. Cooper's, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame Film Festival. And we got nominated for an Emmy. That was incredible. Yep. We were the best sports documentary, number two in the world at that time. And it ended up running on ESPN. Yeah. If At the time, the 30 for 30 programming didn't exist a year a year later it did. Right. We would have been part of that program. That Our director, John Hawk, who I think is one of the best sports documentarians in the world, has had a half a dozen 30 for 30s that have made incredible Can they go back people. and add it to the mix somehow? Re, just uh, re-edit Probably the... not. Yeah. I mean, the movie's... It's, you know, it's a couple years old now. Um, no, but it's so yeah. ten, right? Yeah. Two thousand nine. Well, yeah. It, 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 I always tell folks, even it should if you're be not timeless. A, if you're not a sports fan, the thirty for thirties are about human interest stories. And my pitch to the Fairleys back in the day was, this is about a guy going home who happened to play baseball for a living. That's right. the story. Right. But the reason they, we know him Louis is because of being. baseball. And, Correct. And the but reason he the, was known there is because of baseball. Louis, the human being, and yeah. what's happened to him. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I mean, between Fidel. George McGovern, I mean, uh, and, and, and Congressman, Mar- I think he was the, the governor at the time. Couldn't I go home. Martinez. Anyways, he was, he remember. Uh, we went down to D.C. and screened the movie. Yeah. And the, I don't know if he was the governor, the first uh, Cuban-American congressman. I think his name was Martinez. He ran for governor. He was a child, part of uh, Operacion Pedro Pan, through Catholic charities. All the kids that could get out would, were put on boats and brought to Cuba. Yeah. And a bunch of businessmen took kids to a game. They said, one of your brothers is out in the bullpen. And all the kids went out there. And Louis gave them this great, keep going, be strong, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I I was one of those kids. (laughs) That's awesome. Louis told me the story how he met Maria in the Mexican League. Yeah. He's walking off the mound. And Maria, his wife, a beautiful, wonderful lady, sitting behind the dugout. And he's pitching real well. And he walks off the mound after striking out somebody. And he looks up behind Behind the dugout and sees her, and he 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 does one of those kisses, you know, like this, <laughs> and that's how they met, and they've they've been Romantic. together for like fifty, sixty years or whatever. Yeah. They've been married. I don't know. Louis now uh, born in nineteen forty. He's going to be seventy nine in November on the twenty third of November, and I, I I want him. You know, he got to go home before he died as something he wanted to do. I want him in the Hall of Fame. Before yeah, he dies, so one way or the other. And I got a great Louis story. You know, we were at fantasy camp, right? Dick Raddatz walking around. Tian, Tian used to, <laughs> at the fantasy camp, would come out of the shower naked, sit on the pile of towels, naked. <laughs> so the next person that would come out of the shower, these are all campers, you know, fans, he'd say, well, you need a towel? And put one out from under his butt. <laughs> they go, here you go. Here's one for you. Here's a towel for you. Okay, you want one too? Okay. And the next one came. So it was so funny. So he's smoking cigars while he's doing it. And Raditz walks by and he goes, hey, Tion, why don't you put out that turd you're smoking? And Louis goes, hey, fuck you, monstro. It's better than your breath, man. He says, at your house, you don't need black flag. You just go, and all the fucking bugs die. <laughs> he was a comedian, too. And no one could uh, make the, uh, 
the locker room laugh better than Louis Tien. Did, did you hear that story with, when he got traded to the Yankees and Yaz, Yaz, Yaz hit a homer off him? No. So he and Yaz are best friends, and he got traded to the Yankees, and he's pitching. And they start going at each other, right? Jar- jarring at each other. Yeah. Louis throws it in. Yaz crushes it. Crushes it. And he, as he's rounding third, he says, hey, Louie, you, you should call the cops. I think I just killed somebody. <laughs> nice. Tina probably got pissed at oh, that. Oh, yeah, he was a- absolutely uh, pissed at that. Now, so what's going on in the swirling world of Chris Meyer, the mud man, uh, these days? What are you doing now? What's going on? Uh, well, the last two big movies we did, it came out last year, was Super Troopers 2. Yep. And then one prior to that was the do-over with Adam Sandler. The do-over, yeah, yeah. And, and David Spade. David Spade, yeah. Yeah, where, where two guys <laughs> decide they're going to pretend... Did you pretend, see it? Yeah, oh. they're going to pretend they're dead Yeah, so they can restart their entire yeah, life. the do-over. And they... they we they, should all do that. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> God, I would make a lot of lefts where I took rights and, and vice versa. You know, it, it's, a, it's a great premise. Um, you, uh, you, you keep him busy, though. Yeah. Yeah, we're, 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 we're actually... Uh, in the process of pre-production on a, on a low-budget movie here in Mass called The Last Night in Rosie. That's uh, Roslindale? Roslindale. So yeah. something bad happened in Roslindale in this movie? You don't want to tell me the, the plot no, it's, right it's, now. It's, 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 it's a drama. It's a, little, it's a variation from a comedy, but it's about two, uh, two best friends coming back together after a long time away. Now, <clears throat> what would be your, um, in, your, in, your, in your mind, the greatest movie, doesn't matter, comedy or, or, or drama or anything, of all time? That's a tough one. I know it is. That's why I asked. I mean, it depends on what genre and the mood I'm in, just like music. Yeah, because, I mean... I mean, you can go all the way back. I mean, I'm a, I'm a movie, you know, freak. Yeah, because ben, ben loved Ishtar. And Dune? Wildly Did underrated. Did you like Ish, Ishtar and Dune? Nope, just Ishtar. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dune Chile. can pound sand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I've never seen Ishtar. Jesus Christ! I don't think anybody did. No, you Are didn't. They bringing that back? I don't. But my know. favorite I, I'm is fucking around here. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's my favorite. Movie. That's that's up there. But I mean, I mean, okay, we can rattle off a bunch of them, right? Yeah. Well, just, Shawshank loved it. Goodfellas. Good. What? Goodfellas. Goodfellas was was pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. I mean, but then you Babe go back to Pig in go, the City. Yeah. You can go back to The Wizard of Oz. I mean. I, I, how about porn Citizen flicks? King. Do you have any favorite porn flicks? Because my favorite porn flick of all Catch time. Catch me in the can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lo- Yank my doodle, it's a dandy. That's it. <laughs> By Jimmy Cagney. White Heat. That was so Public classic. Enemy. <laughs> no, Angels I mean, with dirty faces. They did, the problem with the porn movies was that they, you know, there was Too only real? one sacrifice plot sometimes for expediency. And you know, in the movie industry, they're physical industry, actors. <laughs> in the movie industry, that can be the death of you. Yeah, you know, when you say, "Oh, this is to get this done because we're running out of time." It's the ultimate method acting, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you can't get any more method. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, but have you seen Yank My Doodle? It's a dandy. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> shaving Ryan's privates was oh, timely. That I mean, shaving, yeah. You know who shaved him? Ah, uh, they had some. It was a stunt double. Was it dry? <laughs> or did he actually um, put some lotion on? How about some of the people that you like? Because oh, oh, <laughs> hey, I got a question. I don't think he wants you uh, to explore Smitty, that too much further. Smitty has a question. I got a question because uh, I'm just uh, I'm out in layman's land here. As a producer, yes. What is your day to day job as a producer? Your your main responsibility. Uh, pr- uh, prior to the actual production, yeah. is my job is. 
anything from getting the IP, you know, meaning the, the novel, the script, the magazine story, whatever, and I package it. It's almost like a startup. How do you find those? People bring them to you? Or do you go yeah, to well, there's, there's agencies and, you know, there's, there's talent agencies that work with the best talent screenwriters in the world or novelists, and hopefully they, there's a filter where I find them, but I also find them just through the grapevine, and if I believe in it, I, then I go get the money, I go get the team. I'm like a project manager. I bring it all together, then hopefully it blossoms and becomes reality for everyone. Excellent. Speaking of blossoming. That, sorry, real quick. But my, nice my primary job on the set, or in general, is to help the director tell his vision and deal with all the uh, stuff he doesn't want to deal with and put out the fires. So you have to deal with all the egos? Yeah, that's one of our, I that's think that's on one, the list, probably. That, 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 that's one of our uh, strong points. <laughs> is it a little egos. bit easier for you? Yes. Than, yeah, I figured. Yeah. For, the t- for dealing with egos? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, um, I think generally I'm, you hear about actors being small guys. You're not a very small guy. No, Quite but I'd rather opposite. fight with the mind than the body, and yeah. it's very easily done if you... Says if, someone if, who could break if, you in if, two. If, if you use the right verbiage and come in with... Uh, I always... <laughs> my, buddy, my buddy taught me to... Uh, he said, you lead with your weaknesses. <laughs> Focus on your strengths and then embrace your issues. Oh, you know, that's funny. The mutt does that every morning. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. He leads it with his... Fucking I'm sorry. No, I wanted to ask you about the blossom. Blossoming reminded blossom. me that Ooh, Kate awesome. Upton was in the Three Stooges movie. Right? <laughs> I might be... Uh, Excommunicated if we continue. Really? She played she... a nun. Oh. As did Larry David. It's a David. hard habit to break. <laughs> and you know what? Larry Larry David played a nun. Right, you know, they it, both did. You know who she he was? Um, um, Sister Sis- Mengele. Sister <laughs> <laughs> Right. I remember now. So like the Kate most Upton, Jewish though. of nuns playing a Catholic nun. Right. And the Catholic nun is named Dr. Mengele. Sister Mangala. That's so sick. That is so, <laughs> so it's sick. So like, is that a triple or quadruple entrance? What is that? It's a Did he sign on yeah. just for that? Didn't read any of it. it. Was like, I love that. I'm good. I'll do I'm that. In. I'm going to play Sister Mangala. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now here, back to Kate Upton for a second. Mm. Have you noticed how Justin Verlander, who's now her husband, has a big giant dimple in his chin? I don't look noticed? at him that closely. I was going to say uh, the Inside Story TMZ reported this. Oh. That's a nipple mark. <laughs> no. I, I want to do this thing. I live in Upton, Massachusetts. I want to do this road race for charity called Chasing Chasing Upton and bring in people, make them pay like 100 bucks to run after a truck where she's topless on a bouncy truck. That's that's where the the front the guys that are in the front of the race are trying to catch the truck. And she, and she could take the money and give it to any charity she wants to. How do they get the money? From Justin Verlander. <laughs> he makes $22 million. I don't know. Anyway, but she uh, is as hot as I think she is. She's cute as a button. And she was great. I think she was a little, um, that was one of her first, like, uh, visits, I believe, to a set. And, there's, you know, it's, it can be intimidating. She's always there's, had a set. There's, yeah, there's, 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 there's 300, you know, there's 400 people walking around. They're all, you know, looking at it. Yeah. It's not easy sometimes, especially when you come into a certain crowd. Yeah, right. Now, any, tell us some set stories, if you can, if mm-hmm. you feel comfortable with it, of yeah. weird or, or unusual happenstances uh, with some names we might recognize. Hmm. Anybody do anything weird or uh, psycho or you know ridiculous on the set of any of these movies that you can talk about? Because uh, the the question. No, is, one of my favorite about? guys is Bill Murray. <coughs> no. He's the, he's my favorite actor that I've ever worked. with. He is, huh? Yeah, he's a gentleman. He's he's a veteran, but he's also you know he's a uh, a bit of an eccentric. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. You know, and, and it, but he, he like he has no he has you, you, you know, everyone knows this, but you know you have to reach out to him through a one eight hundred number. Mm-hmm. Sure, he has no agent. He he doesn't fly first class. You don't know if he's going to show up or not. 
Yes. But he's always there. So he can be sketchy. He loves baseball. He owns about a half a dozen minor league teams. Yep. He loves basketball. I run he loves basketball. golf. Golf. He loves Peter Jacobson. He loves Peter Jacobson. I was on the GHO golf course uh, working for Channel 3 in Hartford, and I had a camera and my, my microphone. And here comes Bill Murray. He gets out of a limousine. He's there to pick up Peter Jacobson, who had not qualified for the, f- the further rounds. So I said, let's go just see if he'll do a thing. So I walk over. I go, hey, Bill. I just walk right up to him. I didn't even say, can I talk to you? Because that gives someone an opportunity to say no. I walk up. I put the mic in his face. I go, so you're here to pick up Peter? Uh, oh no! I said, "You here to get golf tips from Peter?" He goes, "Yeah, not uh, not so much about the golf though. Actually, fashion tips." He says, uh, <laughs> "He's been doing my refrigerator repairman thing for a long time with his pants, but I don't think we're seeing enough crack." <laughs> so <laughs> we used it on the news, you know, even though it was somewhat objectionable. And then I said, "Oh, okay. Well, thanks." He, gets, he okay gets back in the limo. I said, "That's exactly what I wanted from Bill Murray." You know, some wise ass shit like that. Yeah. Uh, and it, who doesn't love him? Uh, you know, he, he drove to the set once. We, we, he had a driver. Yeah. You know, we have you know the, we have guys that help drive all the guys around it. And then, uh, one day he showed up and said he was driving, and, and 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 our buddy who ran our our you know teamster captain had his wife go pick up Bill, and and when Bill showed up, he was driving, and 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 Rocky was in the back seat. <laughs> she was a little chatty, Kathy, and I think he wanted. To, here need to be a little quiet, so he said, "Let me drive. Pull over." And he he drives all the way in. Wow! Yeah, and he's a he's bizarre. He's a bizarre. Ca- um, some other because the list of people that you worked with is is obviously uh, unbelievable. How was uh, Jason Alexander? He was great. Was he? Yeah, he was fantastic. He had fake yeah. fake hair in that though. Yeah, he could you tell? Painted in. <laughs> could you tell? He looked like John. He looked like John Travolta like last year. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> the, the line was too well delineated. I don't even think it was hair. We just had him like pencil it in. A lot of pencils. You know, like the girls do with the eyebrows and stuff. It's yeah. just, I mean, that spray stuff. Topics. You ever seen the co- the commercials for that? Tony Robbins was incredible. Yeah, he was uh, yeah, actual. But, yeah, the banana hands. Yep. Where'd you get the banana hands? <laughs> oh man, giant of a man. Well, you've had uh, a lot of Adam Sandler as a friend. Adam Sandler, yeah. We met those guys playing basketball, and, and uh, you know, he obviously he works with a lot of the same guys, and he's actually shooting here in uh, Massachusetts over the summer, starting after the 4th of July up in Salem doing a Halloween movie. New Hampshire guy. Yeah, Manchester. Yep. Wow. Ben, questions? No, not, not for Chris Meyer, for me. For you? Yeah, do you have any? Why are you wearing that T-shirt? Oh, Frank FM? Yeah, they fired Speaking you. Speaking of New Hampshire, yes. And just another one of the T-shirts I got from a station that fired me. I got a closet full of them. Do you need any shirts? Isn't that bad mojo? What, th- wearing this? Yeah, I, I, anything that's ever wronged me, I get rid of. Yeah, you know, I I analyzed it for a, a great deal of time after they fired me. And then I just figured, did, fuck them. Did Frank fire you? <laughs> Who the fuck is Frank? Frank's the... the Frank's the name of the station. Every station's Who is he? For, you know, I, I think you're naming a radio station, Stallone. Chris. Why would you name it Frank? Why would you just pick that name of all the names to, to call your radio station? What's wrong with Ed? Yeah. You know? I'll bet wacky salespeople research the How about crap Fred? Out of name. How about Fred? <laughs> How about Shitball Radio? <laughs> you know? Um, That's going to be the worst name I've ever heard. For, it is. For anything. It's a terrible name for a radio station. I didn't last very long there, you know, in New Hampshire. But then what again, it it's radio. Merrimack? What? It's, it's the radio business. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for coming by here, man. You're a good That's guy. It? Chris Meyer is a filmmaker. I'm gonna. Can I put you in the lump category of filmmaker, producer, executive producer, associate producer? Wow. Uh, do you write any scripts? Yes. You modify them. No, we just uh, we've written a few lately. 
and documentarian, actor, actor. Hey, I don't play. know. If I, I'm, I'm not an actor. Uh, you have an acting credit. Uh, yeah, one major bouncer in L.A. <laughs> right, yeah. father of a gorgeous girl named Maisie, who is the cutest thing I've ever seen, and uh, just a very. Creative. I need to hang out with you guys more often. Jesus, fun. Oh yeah, you'll feel really might, good afterwards. I, I, I don't want to leave. I told you, I'm in Shangri-La. <laughs> I might be in Oz. You can play the drums later if you want. And now, what's your Twitter handle? You have a Twitter handle? Uh, <laughs> you, I guess that, you obviously use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> at Chris Meyer, I don't, that's it. At Wolf, that's the only thing I'm on. I'll I, tweet I'm on it social media uh, savvy. Thanks for coming in, man, and thanks for making the trip over here to Michael, beautiful Pelham Island. Uh, Pelham Island, man, this is it is it's pure heaven. The lovely and talented badass Chris Meyer, aka Mike. Thanks, Smitty. Thanks, Ben, and thank the, you, Mr. Mike. Planet, Planet Mikey, Mikey Podcast. Show. I love it.